Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. It is my great pleasure to welcome Lori Richardson to the show. Welcome, Lori. Hey, good to be here, Jeremy. Lori is the CEO of Score More Sales, and she is also the president of Women Sales Pros. Much of the work she does is all about assessing and evaluating salespeople and sales leaders. So that is very much going to be the topic of the day. We both share a passionate, data-driven approach to doing that and opinions about what works and what doesn't work. Before we get into that, I will ask, what is your favorite sales book of all time? And maybe one or two of the key takeaways. There are some great women authors. It doesn't mean their books are better, but they're different. And so instead of going to the same old ones, there's a list at Women's Sales Pros and there's some excellent authors like Colleen Stanley and Colleen Francis and Anita Nielsen. And the newest one I got is called Brag Better, uh, Master the Art of Fearless Self-Promotion by Meredith Feynman. It's not a sales book, but promoting yourself is so important in business. And I think that it's, it's a great one. Colleen Stanley just came out with a book about sales leadership and emotional intelligence for sales leadership. And that's an excellent book. In fact, I'm posting a five-star review for it today on Amazon. (laughs) Men ran sales for many, many years. There's still very few women in executive sales leadership. And there's kind of a killer mentality, you know, win at all cost a lot of war words, and there's a different point of view that can be as successful or more successful. And so not one thing resonates for everyone. And that's why I think it's great to have choices. Yeah, brilliant. So yeah, so let's get into, you know, how to assess and evaluate salespeople. So why is that topic one that is near and dear to your heart? I've been a trainer and a consultant and a coach And I had a hard time proving the value of a financial investment and time investment that a company would make with me because I'd work with a sales team and then I'd leave and they'd say it was great, but I didn't know whether the sales managers supported what we did. And I also didn't know whether the reps really listened and whether the reps absorbed it. And I didn't like assessment tools because I didn't think that they were very accurate, at least the ones that I had worked with. And I just did a ton of research and found ways that we can now put a process in place. So if someone wanted to work with us, for example, I won't do any training until I have evaluated their sales team and know what their sales leaders are like, because I can't promise to help them unless I know what I'm working with. And if if I do do this evaluation up front, I can guarantee my work. It's a win-win for everybody. And people need to know that data can help you. Data is your friend. It's the best way to be objective and to have a level playing field and have a common language and not just make decisions based on gut. I'm so tired of the people in the sales industry doing that. It's very frustrating. I completely agree. And I've seen similar the sort of gut decision-making that we have not quite gotten to money ball within the sales world. But it sounds like you may have found some of those elements. So what are some of the things that you use for your before and after assessment? Yeah, so we do a survey that takes about 40 minutes and it will give us over 100 data points about a sales rep and about a sales manager and even a VP of sales so that we can understand more about their ecosystem. So an an example is that 
we worked with a company who people would know the name of this SaaS company. They thought that their problem was that their managers were not strong and that the reps were much stronger than anything. And what we found in the assessment was opposite and that they needed to hire stronger reps. So one of the biggest, most important things in hiring good sales reps is someone that has the will to sell, you know, strong desire, strong commitment. They're motivated. They have a good outlook and they take responsibility. That's a key component for being successful. If you don't have that, it's going to be difficult to be successful. And then from what I've learned, you know, there's an underlying layer that we call sales DNA. And there are things about what your beliefs are that you say in your head and that you say to other people and how well you are around controlling being in the present moment, whether you can deal with how you handle rejection and whether you need approval or not. In other words, are you trying to make friends with your customers or are you trying to build respect? You know, someone will just say, yeah, I have a great outlook or whatever. Like, how do you get past the BS in them selling themselves and figure out what's really true about their level of motivation and their outlook and their conscientiousness? How do you actually assess that? Yeah, that's a, it's a good point. I mean, you or I could probably BS our way into most any position <laughs> that's out there. No, no comment. Yeah. <laughs> people smarter than me, you know, we work with folks that have created tools to do that. It's a series of questions that are worded in different ways because we're trying to find out what you really think about, what you really feel. And in the case of sales managers, you know, good sales managers have a background in sales. So we ask a lot about sales as well as leading and managing. Sales in, in particular that helps suss out some of their sort of hard skills and knowledge about whatever deal inspection and pipeline and forecasting and that sort of thing? Yeah, well, that's a funny thing. You know, the tactical stuff can be taught. I can teach how to work a deal. I can teach you sales process. I can teach you consultative selling and selling value. But my desire and my commitment and my motivation, I mean, that's here. That's deep in me. And if I don't have that, I've rarely seen anyone just come along and go from not being motivated and not having a good outlook to suddenly being taught how to do that. It's just, I just haven't seen it. I don't know if you ever have, but. No, I, I agree. That's a very, very hard thing to teach. I'm a big fan of this article that was referenced in this book written by Laszlo Bach, who was the head of HR over at Google until he started his own thing. I think the book is called Work Rules, I believe. Incredible book. And he cites this academic article that said there are basically three things that you can effectively assess that are predictive of job performance. They correlate with job performance. One is IQ, right, which can't be taught. The other is conscientiousness, which, you know, by the time you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, what have you, is hard to affect. And then the third thing is basically a test of job skill. So I'm with you. I think that you can definitely teach the job skills and different processes. We already know this, right? Someone could be a bad AE one place and be a great AE somewhere else and vice versa. The person and the system need to need to mesh. Yeah, exactly. And sales is such a slippery slope because like you said, different industries, different roles and selling different products, different services. And that's why you have to work with something that can customize the actual scenario at your company for the role that you're talking about. 
Yeah, I don't know if the instruments you use also look at that first factor because you, you mentioned conscientiousness in various forms, like taking responsibility yeah, uh, and so on. Intelligence, is that one of the factors you think matters or have you observed that that matters? I think it shows up in, in some of the answers, but we don't pull for IQ. But you can see when someone's really sharp when it comes to sales anyway. I mean, that's all. I just care about sales. I I'm not looking for a future CEO. You know, I'm I'm looking for someone who can sell and will sell. Very similar to athletes. You see immense talent, but someone doesn't apply themselves. They just don't care. They just I mean, I watched The Last Dance, which is Michael Jordan's series which I loved and Dennis Rodman. He had immense talent, but he didn't have that drive. He had to be surrounded by people that say, you can do it, you know, go take a vacation, come back, you'll be great. And then he was successful under the right circumstance. But on his own, that guy was, you know, he went from team to team. And it's the same in sales. You can be really strong, but if, you know, if I don't want to make calls today, if I don't feel like I'm not inspired to hit my number or to exceed it or to help the company grow, it doesn't matter how talented I am. Yeah, I definitely come to the conclusion that there really is the confluence of three things. It's ability, hard work, and luck. All three matter, and, and you can be two of the three and not successful. What about for managers? It's very common, right? You take your highest performing salesperson, you move them to manager, and then some succeed and some fail. What advice do you have for either salespeople to prepare themselves to become more effective managers or for sales leaders who are promoting those AEs, what should they look for? Well, first of all, the player coach thing is one of the worst combinations. If you have to be both a sales rep and a leader of others, it's very, very difficult. And I don't encourage anyone to do that. I don't encourage any teams to do that. I think you should get some third-party input. You should get a good accounting of your skills, get some, you know, be objective and and try to figure out what areas you need to be stronger in. But they're two different things. Since you have a data-driven approach, I'm sure you will go in, you'll stack rank, let's say, sales managers from top to bottom, and then interview and assess the top, figure out what they're doing and what's different about them versus the bottom. What are some of those specific factors that you look for if you were to, you know, let's say you're hiring uh, the next sales manager, what do you look for? Right, well, you're still looking for strong desire, strong commitment, and responsibility, holding people accountable, huge, and not striving for the need for approval. If you're a manager and you want to be liked, it's very hard to be respected by your sales team and to get your sales reps to do what they say they're going to do and hold them accountable if you're really focusing on being liked. So the same things with sales DNA, underlying factors, as well as, you know, really the will to be successful. What does it mean to not hold people accountable? Why does that happen more frequently than we would would hope? It's a good question. Sometimes people think that if you hire a salesperson, they're just going to self-motivate and they're just going to do their thing. And every salesperson needs coaching. Every salesperson needs feedback. It doesn't matter how long they've been there how strong they are. We're human beings. We're dealing with other human beings. We're dealing with a lot of different scenarios and pivots and 
messaging and services and you know we need feedback and we need coaching and accountability yeah i mean i, I have a theory here which it gets it brings us full circle to women authors which is uh, kim scott malone's book radical candor oh, which yeah. is another just must read and it talks about the degree to which you care and also the degree to which you hold people accountable And there's this one quadrant that she refers to as ruinous empathy, which is like you care deeply, but you're not holding people accountable. We want to be friendly. We want to be conflict diverse. And we think that we're doing somebody a favor by not challenging them, by not holding them accountable, by not calling them out. It turns out that that is actually doing that person an incredible disservice. Yeah. I've lost a client that way where they will not, the leadership will not hold the reps accountable. Either because they're a family business or there's some extenuating, somebody's been there a long time. And I mean, if you if you follow the guidelines, people will self-select out. If you suddenly make me accountable and I'm not really good at what I do, I'm going to tell you, you know what, Jeremy, I don't think I like this as much as I used to. Could I look at maybe another role? Or maybe I'm just going to go do something else. But you're going to make my life better, not worse, by letting me opt out because I'm really doing something I don't want to do. Sales is like sometimes a black hole. It's like you don't really know what's going on. People are, things are swirling around. But, you know, unless we're measuring things as we go along, we don't know. Totally with you. On the sidebar note, I found my SDR study. A few pieces to flesh that out is college, your college rank, like where you went to school does not matter. What your degree was generally does not matter. The The things for SDRs that do matter are that you had two to three years of prior work experience and then what your prior role was. Career switchers, particularly people who come from recruiting, make for great SDRs. The people who don't tend to work out are people who maybe moved in from customer success. On the AE side, just to kind of fill that out, there's a bunch of things, but I'll just point out maybe two that were interesting to me. One is... Success as an AE actually does not depend on the years of experience in their prior role, as long as it was over a year, which kind of makes sense, right? If they failed quickly in their last role, they're probably not going to be successful. And then the other thing was um, people switching careers actually tend to do quite well in sales roles, like from HR, marketing, IT, finance. Did you promote that study at all? I have not. I should. We've we've used it internally. I got to write it up. And the the sample size is about 1,200 AEs. Close to two thousand SDRs. So yeah, that would be that would be great. Because you know how people there there used to be people so insistent that they had a technical role. You know, it was a technical sale, and that's why they wouldn't get very many women applicants for one. And I would just say to them, you know, after talking with them, I'd say, "Do you think I could sell your service?" And they're like, "Well, yeah, you could because you know you're like a sales whatever." And I'd say, "I'm not technical. All I need you to do is tell me, you know, how it works, who my market is, you know, tell me a little bit about the value proposition, the demographics, the psychographics. Uh, I I can sell it." So it, it's just a joke when people think that they need a very, very elite, special person for most roles. It's just not true. Yeah, I, I saw a LinkedIn post that was sort of calling that out recently. And, and particularly, it was, it was the context of like, sometimes the job postings do dissuade women. In this particular example, it said, like, you needed 15 years of experience in this particular technology. And the technology was only invented seven years ago. I saw that too. Yeah, yeah. So I was so... Yeah, well, I'm glad we brought it full circle. So 
Lori, for people who want to learn more about both of the things that you're involved with, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so they can find me on LinkedIn. It's probably the easiest. I'm at Scormer Sales is my handle on LinkedIn. And we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Scormer Sales or Women Sales Pros. Either way, I'd love to talk with anybody. Awesome. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. And I'll, I'll get that book list from you and I'll, I'll share that up on LinkedIn and probably on our podcast page as well. Oh, great. Thanks so much, Jeremy. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. Paige McCauley is our producer. Peter Lepinto is our editor. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey, Salespeople podcast.